The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings. Don't join, per usual, by Dan Schneier and a special guest, Dan I always have a special way to introduce our guests. This one <laughs> is particularly special because I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm from a place called Harrisonville, Missouri. It's a town of less than 10,000 people. And we actually have two people on this podcast from the same town. No. Jacob Gibbs, <laughs> what is going on? You guys are actually from the same town. That's incredible. Did you guys like play on the same sports teams? Like, obviously, I'm, I'm like two decades older than Jacob. I was trying to give you a compliment there. Heath. No, I, I don't know if my wife taught Jacob. I know that she taught his sister, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Younger sister. Yeah. We moved there. I think actually like right after you moved away. So never any overlap, Yeah, but still very, very cool. Some synchronicity or something happened in there. I don't know. <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely the smallest town in Missouri to have two CBS yeah. employees. Jacob, <laughs> we always start talking about what's going on with you. And I'm looking at the uh, at the notes here, and I see that I put actually I was going to ask Dan what was going on over at Sportsline. Obviously, you look at Dan's background; he doesn't have Sportsline in the background. Jacob, right. you do. Looks very nice. Sportsline what, shirt. What, yeah, on the shirt. One hundred percent. What do you have going on over there right now? Really, it feels like I've just been writing about Christian Watson over and over, just like framing different ways to write about Christian Watson. <laughs> uh, for real, like he he seems to sneak his way into every article I write. Mostly, I've just kind of been learning about the rookie class over the last month or so. So I'm not a big college football guy. So it takes me a long time to really immerse myself and, and learn about everything I can about these guys, um, particularly the wide receivers. Really excited to talk about these guys today because we've got a bunch of weird players in this class but um some potentially really cool fits um 
And then just kind of preparing for a lot of really fun and interesting stuff that we've got coming on Sportsline and on CBS. And then also, you know, beyond the box score, really excited to bring that back with Dan, with Adam, and then on the dynasty side of things as well. So just kind of getting everything planned out for the summer. Um, if you do want to check out like what's live right now, um, I did a deep dive on the 2022 rookie class and like everybody like uh, Okonkwo, Sky Moore, Wandell Robinson, Rishichi, like everybody's in there, looked at alignment, route tree data. It's almost 10,000 words. So like if you want to just learn everything that I learned about the rookie class last year, you've got that. And then uh, there's articles that uh, go through the man coverage and press coverage splits. Um, and so I think those are really important, especially for early career receivers. And so there's some really interesting notes on Christian Watson, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, C.D. Lamb, Brendan Ayuk, Garrett Wilson. Um, so go check those out for sure. Um, and then lately, really, really digging into yard per route run data, which is at this point everyone's pretty familiar with. It's one of the most um, you know important signals for wide receivers um, for fantasy, one of the most correlated stats for fantasy scoring. And something I'm kind of exploring more this summer is adjusting yard per route run data um, and trying to contextualize it even deeper. Um, so it's already one of the best stats that we have, but like obviously there are different things to go into. Uh, the baseline number that we get, quarterback play, defense, everything. Um, and so I'm going to look at adjusting yard per hour and data for average depth of target, um, for average route depth, um, and then also looking like discrepancy between a wide receiver and his wide receiver teammates to see like who was producing in an offense that didn't produce well um, in terms of yards per hour run. Uh, so a lot of cool things there, just trying to like deepen our understanding uh, of the stats that we use. Now that was like, if I had tried to prepare what we're going to talk to Jacob about in a three minute monologue to enter the show, I would have done a, a really bad job. That was fantastic though. If you like <laughs> numbers and if you think numbers are predictive and especially advanced stats and how we understand what these players are doing and what that means about what they are going to do, this is absolutely the show for you, Dan. We're going to go off script just a little bit because he mentioned that he keeps writing about Christian Watson. I assume he was featured heavily in that 2022 rookies piece. How many wide receivers in this class right now, Dan, have a better NFL career than Christian Watson does? Oh, you're asking you're asking the wrong guy, I think, for this because I was incredibly high on Christian Watson last year. I think Jacob knows this. Adam knows this. I brought him up before his breakdown on our show, and I had him as a top five player in my as my rankings last year at wide receiver, which was a little unorthodox. So this is not. Uh, I don't love this class. So uh, two, two, and that's just guessing on numbers. Maybe two will have a better career than him. I like Zay Flowers a lot. I would put my bet on there. Um, there some second round receivers in that range. I like like Mims, Tillman. These are guys I like more than consensus. We can get into some of them. Tyler Scott, I think, has a chance to be an amazing player at the NFL level, but I couldn't put more than two in for me. Okay, Jacob. Now I'm gonna go a different angle with you because we we did this a little bit with Elijah Moore two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something I've wondered in terms of these stats, these these per route run stats for guys who run significantly less routes in their rookie year um, than, a, than a full-time player would, whether it be because of injury, whether it be because they were part-time <laughs> players early in the year, whether it be in Moore's case, I think, because he needed Corey Davis to get hurt <laughs> at, at one point. But like, how, how, how much of a sample do you need for it to matter over the first year? And is it less sticky on just barely over that sample than it is for a guy that has, has a, a full complement of routes? 
That's a great question. I don't have an answer specific to the first year in terms of a number. Um, generally, though, the cutoff that I, that I look for when qualifying is 350 routes. If I can get that, um, 300 I'll take. That's where I found that it does become a little bit more sticky for players in terms of just looking at single season data. Um, so with Christian Watson, I think he had 269 routes mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So we didn't quite get to that number. So definitely everything um, that we mentioned with him should be taken with a grain of salt, um, similar to Elijah Moore in his rookie season. Um, I think that's a really good comparison. Yeah, that's that's interesting to frame it just through the context of rookie year data and the number of routes around. That's something I might dig into later. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, we'd start off with three questions, and I've already asked you one question, but it doesn't count. Three questions for Jacob. And you mentioned beyond the box score, something you've done over on FFT podcast, which, spoiler alert, this YouTube video is going to be the first one, Jacob, that actually shows up in the FFT podcast feed. Wherever you have found the Fantasy Football Today podcast, you will also find Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. That's fantastic. So you do beyond the box score over there. We're going to bring it over here. I want to go beyond the box score with rookie wide receivers. What what are some of your favorite advanced stats for predicting how incoming rookies are going to do? And who do those stats point to this year? That's a great question. So just to be clear, we're going on the FFT feed with this one. It's not just on YouTube. Absolutely, yes. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. What an honor. Uh, okay, so if you really want to learn about like my process for evaluating wide receivers, I'll have a rookie guide um, specific to the position. This is going to be really comprehensive. That'll be published on Sportsline once we have the landing spots for these guys. Um, so I'll take you, take the readers through my grading system, everything that I look at. Um, for this, for the purpose of this episode, I wanted to mainly focus on um, performance versus different coverage types and also the route readiness that um, I've like evaluated these receivers in terms of the types of routes that they run and whether they're going to translate at the NFL level. So there's a grouping um, that I call the big five routes, which is go routes, uh, hitch routes, in routes, out routes, and crossing routes. And those are the most used routes at the NFL level. Um, And some players get used a lot in those at the college level and do well, um, and then some don't. And so like last year, the one who really stood out was Sky Moore. Um, Sky Moore was not used on those routes very much. And when he was used on those routes, there was a huge drop off in his production. Um, Really, the more that I dug into his route data, the more convinced I was he wasn't ready for the NFL game um, or potentially wasn't going to be ready. And really we didn't know if he was going to be ready because we hadn't seen him use that way. Um, And then that's kind of what we saw during his rookie season. So there's a, there's a lot more that goes into it for sure. But I think these, these two areas specifically um, don't get a lot of mainstream coverage. So I thought that would be interesting to talk about. Um, Do you want me to just dive into. No. Yeah. Who who were the best, uh, who were the best, Rook incoming rookies against man and zone coverage for sure. Uh, so press coverage um, is definitely one that I think is important, and it's not one that we all always get a lot of data on. So like um, JSN and Jalen Hyatt really didn't face press coverage hardly at all. Hyatt because of his role, he they just, the way that they aligned him, the defenders couldn't press him. Um, so like when you have that, that's a bit concerning. Uh, Marvin Mims and Josh Downs also didn't face hardly any press coverage. Um, yep. But some guys do face a lot of press coverage and perform well or really struggle. And it, it's just interesting to make note. Um, so one guy who performed really well is Quinn Johnson, which surprised me because I've heard some people um, knock his route running um, and particularly his ability to use his frame to create separation right off the line, um, which is something that like he has the frame for. But a lot of people think he doesn't do well 
Um, in terms of just his numbers versus press, he actually was one of the, I think he had the best numbers versus press coverage among qualified receivers in the rookie class. And he actually elevated his rates versus press, which most people do not. Um, Rasheed Rice is another one who uh, elevated his rates against press coverage. He's a really interesting um, kind of polarizing prospect. Jordan Addison really struggled against press. He averaged 2.8 yards per hour run when not pressed, which dropped to 1.94 yards per hour run when pressed. Um, saw nearly identical splits for Tank Dell, um, another interesting prospect. And just, I don't love that Addison like is falling in the same group as him because like he's one of these smaller guys that like it would make sense that he would struggle against press. And like from an archetype standpoint, he kind of profiles similarly to someone like that. Um, but he gets so much more buzz and is going to, you're going to have to invest so much higher um, to get Addison. Well, and that's, that's like those hearing those first four names, Dan, like the thing I think is, okay, Quentin Johnson, Rasheed Rice, big, strong wide receivers. They, they can get off the press Addison and tank, not big, not strong. Maybe, yeah. I mean, stronger than me. Um, probably not quite as strong as Dan. He he's in the <clears> weight room <throat> all the time, but uh, <laughs> like, is it, is it as simple as the, like, do we need to be comparing big guys to big guys and small guys to small guys? And then Dan, with I, Quentin Johnson specifically, is his route running, is it more how, what he does down the field as opposed to off the line? Yeah, so for, to answer your first question, I think there are different ways to beat press coverage. It's not just do you have the size and strength to beat press coverage with your hands. There are people like Antonio Brown who consistently beat press coverage at the NFL level without being strong at all, just with an incredible speed release and great feet off the line of scrimmage. Even Devontae Adams, who is a bigger receiver, really wins with his release package off the line of scrimmage with his feet. And that was the case with a player we'll get to later who I love, uh, how he releases on the vertical routes at Safe Flowers. Um, so I don't think it's as simple as that, but I do think it's interesting with Jay Jacob said his production versus press coverage, Quinton Johnson, especially because in the Big 12, you really don't see that much press coverage. I think Julius, he had really good production against Julius Brents, who's a top corner in this class, might go early round two. Um, and Julius Brents was kind of playing like press bail technique on him, which is a little bit different than press jam, which you'll see a little bit more at the NFL level. But as far as the second question goes with Quinton Johnson, yeah, my issue for him is not how he releases off the line of scrimmage. It's can he make those 90 deep degree cuts to win on dig routes and to win on in-breaking routes. And I really don't like him in that regard. And that shows up with his three cone drill, which was just unbelievably bad. And that's supposed to show change of direction. And that is a big issue. Among other issues for me with Quinton Johnson, he's a really weird profile for me. I don't like him at the contested catch point. Yeah. I don't, there's there's just so much to his game. I, he lets too many passes come into his body. He's not a hands catcher, doesn't pluck away from frame. <clears throat> there is something I like about him. I think you got him in a West Coast offense where he, like a 49ers type offense where you can do stuff. At, he's great after the catch. That's where I like him the most. But I think you're right. To answer your question, you are right. There is a difference between winning off the line of scrimmage and, and being a good route runner off the line of scrimmage versus in the middle of your routes at the top of your routes like you were discussing, Heath. Did you see a lot of um, big splits between guys that were good against zone or guys that were good against man, Jacob? And then also to jaunt to that point on Johnston, like the the route data and the types of route he was running. Like how did he come out on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just real quick on press. I, I think the point Dan made about not having to win with physicality is really important. So Devontae Smith is someone who really struggled against press coverage in college, really struggled against press coverage as a rookie. And you might just say, like, he's not going to be able to be pressed because he's too weak. Um, but that's not what we saw last year. Last year, he really elevated his game in that area. Um, and I think we could see something similar for Jordan Addison, who is just really a savvy player. Um, I think we could see him elevate his game versus press. So I don't want to like condemn him with this. I think it would probably help Jordan Addison against press if he could have someone like A.J. Brown <laughs> lined up on the field with him. It's probably easier to get off against press coverage when the defense has to account for A.J. Brown. Yeah. 
so in terms of man zone splits, um, oh, I also wanted to mention Cedric Tillman, his rates went way down against press, which does concern me as a big body guy. Um, he's one of the few like more physical guys who struggled against press. So when I you say they went down, they were better? The year he was before? much better when not pressed. Okay. Yeah. Um, so man zone stuff. Josh Downs uh, was really, really strong against man coverage. Um, and like I said, he had a limited press coverage sample, but he was good against press as well. And that's just really cool and unusual for a player of his archetype. Um, we've talked about a lot of light guys, and there's a lot of light players in this class, um, but he really stands out in that regard. Uh, you brought up Quinn Johnson. Yes, he was really good against man coverage. Jordan Addison was really good against man coverage. JSN, um, not a ton of routes, but he was also really good against man. So you'd love to see it from the top three. You want to see um, big-time NFL prospects just dominating man coverage at the college level, um, and that's what we saw from all of them. One guy who really struggled against man coverage, and I think this is maybe someone you like looking at the notes, is Marvin Mims. Yeah. Um, he was much, much better for his zone. He averaged 3.5 yards per out run versus zone, which was second to only JSN. Uh, 1.75 yards per out run, so cut in half, uh, 14th among the 20 prospects that I evaluated when right. facing man coverage. Um, really similar stuff for Rasheed Rice, who I mentioned was actually good against press. He struggled versus man coverage, which I thought was really strange. Um he was filling more of a like slot role up until his last year of college. Um, so I thought maybe that just like affected his career numbers um, because slot players, you know, are more just finding the holes in the zones. Um, but even with the move to the perimeter 2022 and an increase in routes and targets versus man coverage, he was just really bad. He caught 38% of his targets versus man coverage last year. Um, so that's just definitely a concern for Rice, who's like otherwise a pretty fun analytical prospect. So we were supposed to do three questions with Jacob. We've done one, and we are now at the 16-minute mark. So yeah. we are going to have to pick this up a little bit. When we come back, Jacob's going to tell us the one guy not enough people are talking about from this class. We'll get into the breaking news. We'll get into some 2023 rookies that we haven't talked about right after this break. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, Jacob. Now, who I would expect you're going to bring some of these other stats into the rest of your answers. So who is the mm -hmm. one wide receiver you don't think enough people are talking about from this class? It's A.T. Perry. But before I get into him, I just in the last question on Routry notes, I really wanted to ask if either of you have watched Trey Palmer because I have not gotten a chance to yet. And I've watched I, a very little bit of Trey Palmer, not enough that I feel comfortable in my evaluation. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on him, Heath? I do not. Okay. I do think he's like a – bargain version of Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. He 
the stuff that he did in his last year, um, analytically is like really insane, but I think it might've been like weird usage. And so I just like really want somebody who's just like a total degenerate and has looked at every single wide receiver and give more information on Trey Palmer. Cause I haven't got there yet. Seen a little bit, but not enough to give you a full evaluation. Uh, A.T. Perry uh, is very exciting um, and someone who I think is going to vault up my dynasty rankings um, if he's in the right landing spot. I would love to see him go to the Chiefs. Um, the Chargers would be great. The Cowboys, the Vikings would be cool. Um, even like the Ravens, I think he could stretch the field and allow Rashad Bateman to work more intermediate. So with Perry, we're looking at an older prospect with a later breakout age, which is weird uh, for a prospect who still has a few skill set things to work out. Uh, but the framework is there for him to be like really cool, like an arbitrage Calvin Ridley. That's that's getting really ambitious. More likely, he's probably like a Donovan Peoples-Jones, Van Jefferson type guy. Um, but I also think something like Corlin Sutton, DJ Chark, Zay Jones is realistically within his range of outcomes. He brings elite production versus press, um, second best production versus press coverage in the class. Uh, he drew targets at a really high rate in spite of running a super deep route tree, um, which just if that can translate, that gives him the potential to pile up yardage, um, pile up air yardage. And he did that in college, 2,400 yards with 26 touchdowns over his final two seasons at Wake Forest. Um, he's probably not going to go to the third or fourth round because he's kind of inconsistent. Hands have been a problem. Contested catch, um, a bit of a problem as well, which is frustrating for somebody who has such a long wingspan. Um, but he performed well on NFL level routes. Like I said, I evaluate those and like his numbers are good there. And he showed flashes as a route runner from everything I can tell from talent. He was a fifth year senior this year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder how much that goes into it because I know like by the time you've had five years of coaching in college, I would think that your route tree would be significantly Mm -hmm. more developed than a guy who's in in year two or year three. And that that leads me to another question. Like when you're talking about this data, are you measuring the entire time they're in college, their last year or weighting their last year heavily? How do you do that? The last year gets weighted. Um, I look at their top two seasons, um, but I also do use career data. But it doesn't. Uh, it's not as heavy of a weight as the last two seasons and their final, their best season. Dan At Perry is this a uh, is this a day two or a day three guy? This is not one of my favorite prospects from what I've seen on tape. I I do think the data is interesting. My my issues with At Perry are. I used to buy into these type of prospects, and then I got burned by the Brian Edwards types too. I was so high yeah. on Brian Edwards coming out of South Carolina. And so I kind of, at the NFL level, tend to lean more towards the separation guys like the Addison. Not that I really love Addison. This class like Zay Flowers types. Um, but with AT, and, and I think the system is a little bit kind of like the, the North Carolina and the Tennessee system where there's a little mm-hmm. bit of inflated stats based on the system and really good coordination and play calling by the offense coordinator. Having said that, I do like Perry's ability to win in the red zone. He's had, a, like, like uh, Jacob said, a lot of touchdown production. I think that's something that's real there. And I think there is a case to be made that he can be better at the NFL or good at the NFL level. I think more likely though, teams will see him closer to the day three range or late day two. Yeah. So question number three, and we had to bring the chiefs into this for you. Gibbs. Now you already <laughs> mentioned Sky Moore and how, and I had, I shared the same concerns, not for the same reason. My concerns about Sky Moore being ready last year were the fact that he had to learn Andy Reed's offense and he'd been playing wide receiver for like two and a half right. years mm-hmm. when he came into the NFL. So I don't really hold too much against him. He's still my wide receiver 30 in dynasty right now. How many wide receivers from this class should be ranked in my top 30 after the draft? 
So you watch Sky Moore quite a bit, right? Heath is a yeah. Chiefs fan. You watch basically every game, I assume. Um, what did you think of him when you watched him? Because I, I came away very underwhelmed. No, I thought that um, he was not ready like we thought he wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. He They did not ask him to be a full-time wide receiver or even when he was on the field to do all the things that a wide receiver did. But I did think that for the most part, when he had a specific assignment, he was pretty okay at it. Yeah. I, I like I think he can get open. It's just whether he can learn how to get open on more than two routes. Yeah. I so I'm not a talent eva- evaluator and I don't like necessarily like I put more weight into the data than like what I'm seeing with right. my eyes. It's super subjective. But when I watched him, I just was underwhelmed and I feel like that I'm letting some bias sink in with Skymore. I've got him at wide receiver 45. Yeah. Uh, for Dynasty. And so for me, there are for sure three guys to answer your question and potentially up to like nine guys who I would have ahead of him, depending on landing spot. Um, it's probably going to be like four or five. Right. So Jason, clearly Addison. Yes. Quinton Johnson, just because the top range of his outcomes feels so much higher than Sky Moore's. Um, beyond that, I think it's totally dependent on landing spots. I think similar prospect archetypes. You've got Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, even Tank Dell we've talked about. Um and would any of those guys make your top 30? If in the right landing spot, like if Josh Downs goes to the Bills or something, um, yes. But most likely, no. I think most likely Sky Moore will be ahead of these guys. The, um, but he's he's not a 30. He's a 45 for me. Yeah, the, the one the one defense I would offer for Sky Moore last year, because I think you're right about what a lot of the things you're saying, is just that I, I saw a Mike McCarthy quote like a month or two ago, and I don't. he was talking about how if you want to get your players to play faster – make it more simple. Don't give them as many things to think about. Just just give them one job and they'll play a lot faster. I thought Sky Moore was playing at the speed of someone who didn't really know how to play wide receiver in the NFL and didn't really know all of Andy Reid's system. And so I, I think it's hard to evaluate a guy in that spot who's trying to learn both his position and the offense. He looked uncomfortable. I will yeah. agree with that. Like he didn't I, he didn't look like as fluid of an athlete as I expected him to be. Um, and when I would just, when I watch him or Kadarius Tony and it's like, both these guys have a lot to learn. Like there's seems like there's so much more upside with Tony. Um, he just looks way more explosive, but, um, you, other guys who could surpass more in the right spot, they're way different players, but Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, A.T. Perry, I think could, um, if they're like in an ideal landing spot, but most likely he's going to be ahead of all these guys, but three or four. All right, Dan, we're going to move through the news real quick, and then we'll get back to these wide receivers. John Lynch says he expects Trey Lance to remain in San Francisco, Dan. I expect Brock Purdy to start when Brock Purdy's healthy. So how do we rank Trey Lance in Dynasty? It's a great question. I think it, a lot depends on this progress with Purdy, like you mentioned. We don't know. We don't have any details on the updates on that recovery. So I think for now he has to probably – where do you have him right now in your rankings, Heath? I think he's 14 or 15, and it's all because of upside. I don't right. know. I, like, I, I see a lot of similarities between him and Anthony Richardson when Richardson eventually gets drafted, except that Richardson might have a chance to be a full-time player this year. Okay, I don't know if I, I'm on the same page as you with it, with the similarity. Like, Anthony, Trey Lance never ran an 80-yard touchdown against SEC competition. So that was like the eye-opener. Anthony Richardson, and that's not fair. I'm not trying to right. knock the comp. It's just like no one to me compares athletically to Anthony Richardson. No one compares that. athletically. The, yeah, okay. the way I would say they're the same is I could see a path to Trey Lance being a top-five fantasy quarterback okay. if given an opportunity to start. I, see what you're saying. I yeah, could this. see Trey Lance not starting 16 games for the rest right. of his NFL career. Same with the things are true for Richardson. Yes, okay, totally agree. 
agree with you, which makes the projection hard. I think 14 is fine just because you want to bake in the upside. And you don't want to totally miss out. The Aaron Rodgers trade is done. I, I'm just real, real quick, Gibbs. I, I'm actually a little bit nervous about Garrett Wilson, not because I think there's anything. I think Garrett Wilson's awesome, but just because of the drama that we're going to see in New York over the next year and a half. And Alan Lazard's already there. There's no telling who else Rodgers is going to demand they bring in. Do you think there's a chance Garrett Wilson's target share actually goes down this year? I would be really surprised. Um, I So I did just publish an article on Sportsline about this. And uh, if you just look at my Twitter page, that's the yeah. most recent thing that I've been tweeting about. Um, I think the fit is phenomenal for Wilson. Um, I think he will really benefit from Rodgers' play style um, is much more conducive to getting the ball to the type of routes that Wilson was running. So Wilson had the uh, fifth highest uh, target share on quick hitting routes of any player in the NFL last year. And that was with Zach Wilson, who like just refuses to make those quick throws. Um, and it was mostly inflated by Joe Flacco. When Joe Flacco was a quarterback, he had the highest of any uh, wide receiver. And I think that's not really Alan Lazard's game. And um, I think we've seen Aaron Rodgers be willing to trust um, young guys more lately. Um, he really locked in on Christian Watson. And really, he locked in on Romeo Dubs when he was healthy last year. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think Garrett Wilson is a really, really elite talent. Um, and oh, and that's, yeah. Great. And I saw a few comments about that in the chat as well. Like, I'm not worried. Garrett Wilson was my favorite wide receiver in this class before the draft last year. I, Garrett Wilson, I think, is the best wide receiver in this class. I'm not 100% sure that Aaron Rodgers is still good. Yeah. And I think that the drama could be um, a problem this year in New York. Do you think and he's like? Do you think he's clearly better than Joe Flacco? What's that? I think he's probably he's, better than Joe Flacco. Yes, because um, like anybody other than Zach Wilson and but, Garrett Wilson was like a top five wide receiver. Right. Last year. That, I, I think, but a lot of that was like he earned a, a pretty big target share from those guys, and they threw fifty-five passes a game. Yeah. When when Zach Wilson wasn't playing, hopefully right. they do that again. Dan will stay in New York, the only team actually in New York. Peter King says the Bills are eyeing Josh <laughs> Downs. Good fit. Great fit uh, yeah. for what they do uh, schematically. Like they've been trying to circle out all these slot receivers. Some have had crazy production there, even at times like Crowder, Be Beasley. At times they've had great production. McKenzie, they tried. It didn't work out. Downs is the perfect fit for that slot role there. And then last piece of news here, Jamison Williams. And yes, we haven't done the show since last Tuesday, so we didn't know this. And it, it, Jamison Williams suspended six games. A wide receiver his age, Jacob, I, I would generally be like, you know what, it's six games. It's not going to impact his dynasty ranking. But he really didn't play last year. Mm -hmm. Now he's done He's done this, and he's got his first suspension. Are you getting nervous about Jamison Williams for dynasty purposes or everything that we loved about him as a prospect? We're just going to keep overlooking the bad current reality. Yeah, I don't think it changes a whole lot. I don't love it. I want to see him get on the field just because we really haven't seen him on the field very much over the last, like, five years. Um, the, he's just got a really wide range of outcomes because, like, all of his – everything that we were excited for about Jamo came in one season. Um, and so, like, his sample size at the collegiate level is small, and we have no sample size at the NFL level. So, like, I just want to see him get on the field. and it. But, like, really it doesn't change much. I still got him as, like, a top – 2022 20, dynasty receiver um and with the potential to blow away past that when he gets on the field this year yeah he was uh he was 24 for me in my last update I, there might be someone from this class there might be two someones from this class who pass him and i there might be a sla slight downgrade just because of my 
nervousness of his not being on the field, but he'll still, he'll definitely be like a top 26, 27, 28 guy. I do want to promote a couple of things. We're doing mock drafts this week at CBS Sports from the fantasy team. I did my first ever NFL mock draft yesterday. I am told it was not terrible, although I did have Will Levis going second, which felt awful. I basically just used the uh, sports book odds on where guys are expected to be picked, and that seems like the, uh, the best way to project the draft at this point. But we'll have those all week, right, Dan? Monday, Tuesday, yep. Wednesday, and Thursday. Yours comes out today. Yep. Uh, so go to CBS Sports. Check that out. We've got wall-to-wall draft coverage this weekend. We'll be on YouTube. We'll be on podcast. We'll be on CBS Sports HQ. We're going to have articles all over the place. Be here on YouTube. Be on our uh, on our podcast feed. And then just like stay on CBSSports.com all weekend long. I know Dave's got a Bijan Robinson piece coming up. Jamie's got a quarterback piece. I'll have my top 12 rookies by Saturday. I'll have my top 40 by Monday. It's going to be a busy, busy, busy weekend. Let's get into the 2023 rookie wide receivers right after this break. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more. Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Okay, we're back. We have talked for almost 30 minutes, Jacob, and we have not talked about the best wide receiver in this class, or at least the consensus best wide receiver in this class. You said something about Jamison Williams. All his production came in one season. Also true about Jackson Jigma. Wow, I really butchered that name. Dan. <laughs> just, just You know what? Azer got in my head. <laughs> he Azer, does it to the best of us. No, he, he said he said, you know, he was a big stickler on the Njoku Njoku. Okay. Yeah. And then he said people keep saying Njigba wrong. They're saying Najigba or vice versa. And so I just Jackson Smith Najigba will say it however I say it. Um is he your favorite wide receiver in this class, Jacob? And do you worry at all that we've only got one year of production from him? Yeah, he's absolutely uh, my favorite receiver, and I don't worry. Um I I think he would have had a monster season last year as well. And the fact that we saw him do what he did um, while sharing the field with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson is is more than enough for me. And you definitely can't knock him for not getting on the field more as a freshman with that group. Um, everything I dig into with him is phenomenal. He succeeded from the slot, obviously, um, was great against man coverage and press coverage when he was given the opportunity to face those coverage types. He was the most efficient receiver on downfield routes in this class, um, even though he didn't have a ton of those targets. 
um, when he was targeted down the field, his yards per target was higher than any other incoming rookie. Uh, really everything about Jason checks out. Um, he put up one of the most efficient seasons in like college football history in recent memory while sharing the field with these guys. Um, it's, I, I don't think he's a better prospect necessarily than Gary Wilson or Chris Olave um, because we had like longer um, to really get an idea of who these players were. And like with him, we don't know if he can succeed out of this outside of this lot necessarily yet. Um, but I think he is going to succeed out of the slot and I'm, I'm really excited to see him at the NFL level. Okay. Dan, I think he, so he fits on almost any offense. Right. Dan, I'm going to give you just a minute. I'm going to ask Jacob one more question, but you have to give me your best JSN comp that is not ARSB because everybody just goes immediately to that one. And I understand I, I, there's good reasons for it, but you have to give me the best comp for him. That is not someone that just goes by their initials. Jacob, I want to ask you though, back to the Christian Watson talk. One of my favorite theories right now, because his um, Smith and Jigba's at odds last I saw over 12 and a half for where he's picked. So that, that's, I've seen a lot of people mocking him to the Texans, but he's like minus 250 to be over 12 and a half. Well, the Packers just traded up to 13. Right. I love the idea that after all these years of not giving Aaron Rodgers a first round right. wide receiver, <laughs> they get rid of Aaron Rodgers, then draft a wide receiver in the first round. And I think these two, I think these two fit JSN and Watson side mm. by side incredibly well. Who would you like more if they're on the same team? Uh, I, I think JSN, uh, I like him more as a prospect going in. Um, and I think he has a more like fantasy friendly game and I would trust him more with a quarterback that we don't know necessarily if he can deliver down the field to Christian Watson. I think JSN's production is more baked into the offense. Um, I think for fantasy it would be him. There's a higher ceiling for Christian Watson though. If Christian Watson's rates from last year translate, like going forward, he's, he's a freak. I wrote an article that got published on CBS that like, compared him to DK Metcalf and Julio Jones, and it's like, you just don't do that. Right, and the, and the reason is like the numbers in a small sample size have looked like that for more people than they – you have to go to Julio Jones and DK Metcalf because right. so few guys have taken those numbers to the larger sample size as well. But yet you're right. Like his, his upside is absolutely insane. Dan, I, yeah, that was like two minutes that I gave you to find the best comp for him that does not go by his initials. What's the answer? And I found it. He is a bigger, more ups, uh, bigger with more yak upside and more red zone upside. Julian Edelman. Both <laughs> players had 96th and 97th percentile three cone and 20 yard shuttle drills, which shows change of direction. Both players combine that elite ability to change direction with the elite route running and the ability. I mean, you watch Jackson JSN set up these, I just call them JSN. Cause I don't, I'm not good with pronunciations <laughs> either. I, I, I average fifth between 50 and 60 mispronunciations on my podcast per year. So it's just brutally bad at them, but I just say JSN. So anyway, JSN, um, combines that elite change of direction ability with the elite ability to set up his routes using his arm, using his head fakes, using his shoulders, using his hips. And just when you have those two things working in conjunction, like we saw with Edelman, you can get open, you can be a PPR monster, but he has more upside to me than Edelman, both in the red zone and after the catch. Okay. I'm going to stay with you, Dan, for this one. And um, I think we asked Ryan Wilson this last week and I don't remember what his answer was, but, but I'm really I'm really interested because like, I understand the last couple of years have shown us that these smaller wide receivers, especially with the way the game is played and the way the game is officiated, that maybe we have to adjust our parameters. The smaller guys are, are doing better things, especially younger. But we've got two of our top three wide receivers, or definitely two of our top four, 
Um, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. Addison, 173 pounds. He's too light. Flowers, 5'9", definitely too short. What is a bigger concern? If I was also 184 and that was just for the combine, the bigger concern for me is definitely Addison because Addison is a longer athlete than Flowers, but still uh, weighs less at 173. I think with Flowers, uh, I like the build a little bit more. He's a little bit thicker in the lower half, and he can you can see him when he sinks his hips. He can get in and out really well. Addison, to me, at that size, 173, I worry about his ability to play on the outside against press man at the NFL level. I personally think he's a slot only at the NFL level. It's one of the reasons I'm not very high on him. I don't see as much of a ceiling. I, I think he's a fine pick anywhere in round one for any team because the, the floor is definitely there. It's a high floor. But I think being 173 on the outside and not having that elite twitch like um, like a Devontae Smith had – makes it much tougher for me to project him to beat press man on the outside at the NFL level. Now, now you've said quite a few things so far, Jacob, about Jordan Addison, but I haven't heard much about Zay Flowers. How, how do you, what do the numbers look like on him? Yeah. So really there are several data points um, about Zay Flowers that concern me to go with size concern. Um, his prospect profile kind of reminds me of Jahan Dotson last year. Uh, Dotson, we had more weight concerns. Um, but just really underwhelming data that is clearly affected by quarterback play. And the question mm-hmm. is how much, how much is right. Zay Flowers or John Dotson? A lot was Zay Flowers. Uh, trust a me. lot, but like you can't quantify it. Like we really don't know. Right. And so like the, as I dig into this, it's like Flowers struggled versus press coverage. Flowers struggled versus man coverage. He had the second worst man coverage splits among the 20 wide receivers who I evaluate. The second worst. Um, he was insane versus zone. He struggled on big five routes that I mentioned earlier, the routes that are used the most at the NFL level. Basically, it was all short stuff and long stuff for Flowers without a whole lot in between. And I have concerns that maybe the long stuff, the deep ball efficiency might not translate from the ACC to the NFL, especially at its size. Um, I I have him as my wide receiver at five. And I, a lot of really smart people who know more about the game and watching the game than I do disagree with that so like i i don't i don't want to have him too low um but the the more that i dig into his data the the more concerned i do get yeah i think uh i was looking at the odds last night he is actually the only one close to jsn in terms of odds of being the first wide receiver taken now it's spread out quite quite a bit jsn's at minus 300 now so i think people are pretty confident he will be but but dan flowers is going to be a first round pick right he sh- there's no guarantee. I don't think for somebody who's five nine one eighty four, there's a chance any like there's a chance that no receiver but JSN goes in round one. In my opinion, in this class, just we'll see. I mean, that's what people say. And in the end, the NFL last year, did you see the mad rush teams made to get wide receivers last year? Velas Jones in round three, Wandell Robinson at forty four overall. Like people were just on fire. Even Sky Moore to some extent. So. He probably will go in round one. I have far fewer concerns than Jacob, but I think this is where there is kind of the disconnect between the film, like mm-hmm. just watching the guys and the data because the data doesn't back up what I see. But what I see is no receiver in this class besides Tyler Scott got open more often on the vertical plane when the ball just didn't come their way. Either the quarterback didn't see him, which happened all the time with Boston College, or he took a sack, the quarterback. But either way, Flowers is running wide open on the vertical plane and there's no one to get the ball to him. Okay, Jacob, you mentioned earlier that um, Cedric Tillman really, really struggled. I believe it was against press coverage um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a bigger guy. And, and my, my thought with these wide receivers is, like, I'm not sure Jalen Hyatt's even being discussed as a potential draft pick if Cedric Tillman doesn't get hurt last year. Tillman had more yards and more touchdowns two years ago than Hyatt and Valus Jones combined on the same team. 
Mm-hmm. And then last year, Tillman gets hurt. Hyatt takes over. Are, are you certain in this Hyatt over Tillman? And can you sell me on Jalen Hyatt? I'm definitely not certain. Um, and I don't think I'm the one to sell you on Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I think Dan is maybe. <laughs> everything that I've, I've learned about him. Um, I think the reason that he's going to be drafted ahead of Tillman um, in fantasy and probably in real life is just at the top of Hyatt's ranges of outcomes seems to be much, much higher than Tillman. I think Tillman is going to probably be a solid player at the NFL level. Um, I doubt he ever develops into like a true X wide receiver one. Um, whereas Jalen Hyatt, like we don't think that his usage of Tennessee is replicable. Um, but we don't know that he can't fill a Will Fuller type of role. You know, like if he is able to be like one of the best field stretchers in the NFL, that's really valuable. Um, Dan, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go ahead and sell me on Jalen Hyatt because I think you are higher on him than I am. Um, I, I just, I, I worry so much about a guy who we know a lot of it was scheme with their offense. Um, now not, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be good outside of scheme. Um, but also that needed an injury like this to really have this type of production. No, unfortunately, you're coming to the wrong guy. I'm very low on Hyatt. He's probably, for me, probably the most overrated receiver on my board. Um, I just don't see enough of a difference between someone like him and Trace, uh, at Trey, why am I blanking his name? Trey Scott from Cincinnati. Or not Trey Scott. Why am I calling him Trey Scott right Tyler. now? Tyler Scott. <laughs> thinking of an old guy we worked with at 24-7 Sports. But anyway, Tyler Scott at Cincinnati. And so for me with Hyatt, the pl- I'll just give the other side of it, though, Heath. Like, this is yeah. not my belief. But I, the other side of it is, yes, he didn't play man uh, against press coverage more than 62 snaps in his collegiate career. Yes, they often hit him by running him behind the stack in a stack release so he gets a free release. Yes, that system is bonkers there. It doesn't translate at all. But the plus side of Hyatt is maybe none of this matters. Maybe he's just so smooth in his release off the line of scrimmage and so fast. And when you watch him running these vertical routes, there's things about his game that you definitely like more than these other vertical only receivers. One is the ball tracking ability, which is very important at the NFL level. He really tracks the ball well in the air on vertical routes. Two is the hands. I mean, he is that he does catch away from his frame more than you expect for that style of receiver. So the idea is, yes, he has not played. He has not proven anything yet that you need to see improve the NFL level, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe he gets there and he's so fast that it just doesn't matter. But no, it's not It's not a receiver that I'm going to be able to sell you on. I have Tillman ranked higher than him personally. Do we know any Jalen Hyatt people? Like who Who are the people who are actually high in him? I haven't there met are some there, are, there are people. No, there are some people. I think, what's his name? Uh, Mike Lombardi, the old GM, said he was his wide receiver one in this class. There are definitely some people. And I get it. That speed is that speed kills and it's a trait that every NFL team wants to some extent. I just, there's a lot of risk in his profile that I can't, I can't get on board with. I just hope the Raiders draft him. <laughs> that, would that, would would be be that would be fun. That would, would be fun. Absolutely fit perfectly. Okay. Last guy that I definitely want to talk to. We're not quite done yet, but Marvin Mims, you referenced earlier, the uh, man versus zone splits, mm-hmm. Jacob. It really kind of drives me insane that people like Jalen Hyatt more than Marvin Mims, but I, mm-hmm. I will admit and I, I, this was my case for Jalen Hurts, is I think that maybe the anti-Big 12, well, he did it against Big 12 competition um, bias, is a little strong when we're comparing guys that have the type of production that Mims did. He came in to Oklahoma and led the team in receiving and receiving touchdowns as an 18-year-old freshman mm-hmm. and then continued to be the best wide receiver on that team for three years. I like guys like that. Now, I know, he, he, like you say, 
Sec, I think you said he was second against zone. He was 14th against man. Mm-hmm. Where does that translate in terms of like an overall ranking? Because there's obviously some pretty significant value to having the second best wide receiver in the class against zone coverage. Yeah, um, I like a lot of things about Mims. I would reference or just point anyone who is like curious about Mims to Underdog Fantasy's um, YouTube videos they've been producing on the player profiles. Hayden Winks discussed the intricacies of Oklahoma's offense and the non-traditional role that he played and compared it actually to Jalen Hyatt's to a lesser yeah. extent. Um, and I I have concerns that as I've like dug into his data, I'm just like blown away by it, like you've mentioned. Um, but like the more I hear from people who really like watch all the snaps, they all seem to like come to a consensus that they're not sure he can be pressed from the perimeter, not sure that he can win from the perimeter. Like he might be only a slot guy. So if he ends up um, in that underdog video, Josh Norris used John Brown as a yeah. realistic top range of outcome. I did always love John Brown. So I love John Brown too. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I love, I really love Mar- Mar- Mims when I've watched of him. And I think that is a really good comparison. Like if he could be John Brown, he can be productive. He can be a smaller guy who wins from the slot with speed um, is great tracking the ball down the field. Like Dan mentioned, that's really important. He seems to be really, really good at that. Um, and the production profile is elite. So for me, I think he ended up at wide receiver seven and there's potential for him to move up for sure. If he ends up in Philly, I would love to see him just replace Quez Watkins as the field stretching slot there. Like that would be perfect to me. Well, I think it, like you mentioned wanting one guy to go to Kansas city. It's, it's always me. Like the guy that I like more than most people is the guy I want to go to Kansas city because I mean, two years after he learns the offense, he can just be good. He doesn't ever have to be <laughs> press coverage off the line of scrimmage in Andy Reid's system. But Dan, you're you are you're coming around or or really do kind of like Mims, right? Where does he rank in this wide receiver class for you? Yeah, I also really like Mims. I didn't get a chance to do my wide receiver rankings. We're doing that on a final show for my podcast, so that's going to come later this week. So I don't know, but I will say this. He's not far off from Jalen Hyatt for me, and that's kind of the point with Hyatt versus Mims, right? Hyatt is discussed as his first round potential. Mims is going to go on day two. Some people even think day three. I just think you're, it's like an arbitrage play there. And to some extent, like there is a case to be made that I kind of like Mims more, to be honest, because yeah. I think there's a little bit more post-catch juice and creativity once he gets the ball in his hand than Hyatt, who kind of just caught the ball and got vertical immediately yeah, I'm ahead of Hyatt yeah I, I, I think I that's do fair. too I, I um but I'm, I'm pretty low on Hyatt as well so I'll have to change that around if somebody goes and gets him early in round two right, or right. something we're going to go to our favorite landing spots here in just a minute but listen there's a there's a lot of wide receivers obviously that we have not talked about the some of those guys some of the guys we've not talked about are going to sneak into day two some of them they're going to be in day three and still have a chance to produce I have a harder time getting excited about those guys this year because of the overall weakness of the top of this class. I mean, we, we've talked about it. The number one guy in the class has one year of production and basically didn't play last year. The number two and three guys in the class for most people are five, nine and 173 pounds or Quentin Johnson, who we're not sure can catch the ball the correct way or get in and out of his breaks correctly. Like there, there's not a, a large number of, of like really, really high-end prospects that we're confident in. So the guys that are five to 10 spots behind them, I have a little harder time getting excited about this year. But I but I know there's still guys that are going to matter. So I I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but who are your, your top, maybe three guys that we've not really talked about and just sell me on number one, Jacob, and I'll get, let you go second, Dan. So I already talked about A.T. Perry. He would be my number one. Um, I think Jonathan Mingo is a really interesting name to bring up. Um, People love to compare him to A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. He did not have the production profile that A.J. Brown does, Um, but 
he really dominated against some bad teams and blowout wins. Um, and outside of that, he didn't do much. But like from a skill set perspective, he might have the highest hypothetical ceiling of any wide receiver in this draft. He's a freak. He's 6'2", 220, excellent with the ball in his hands and can win down the field as well. Who do you got, Dan? Okay, I'm going to start with Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. So Tyler Scott, a couple fun things about Tyler Scott. The first fun thing about Tyler Scott is he's had 12 touchdowns over the last two years. Every single one of them, and this is courtesy of Dane Brugler from his beast, every single one of them has been 20-plus yards. I love that stat. Things I also like about Tyler Scott, he played running back and quarterback in an option offense in high school. He's still learning the wide receiver position, and you could see that. There's hands things, that there's issues with the hands that I understand. There's issues with the route running, but – as he's learning, man, he looks really good. The slant that he housed against East Carolina, and you could find that clip, the separation that he had, the breakaway speed that he had to beat the angle of the safety in the corner, that's a rare trait that like, right now a lot of NFL receivers don't even have, and it's going to attract teams. In addition to that, I like how he runs on the vertical plane. I like how he gets in and out of breaks on the comeback routes. He'll catch a ball, and he's almost like a running back in space. I see the same thing with Zay Flowers. Those two are just like running backs when they get the ball in space, and that excites me too because yards after the catch is a good way to create explosive plays and touchdowns for our fantasy teams as well. So Tyler Scott would be the number one for me. Let's do some uh, rapid fire favorite landing spots. We're just going with the teams on these guys. I will say the one thing I love about this, you guys have both got different guys. We've, we've given some some guys we expect to be day three picks, but with the overall relative weakness of this class, there are going to be a couple of guys who sneak into that day two designation that we weren't expecting because there's one guy who likes a couple of traits and wants to make sure that they don't miss out on them. Those are the guys that would be really interesting to see where they land. So JSN, favorite landing spot. We will go Jacob, then Dan for each of these. Go. It's Green Bay. You already hit on it. I think that that's ideal. Yeah, I said Green Bay on the last show with Adam. I'm going to stick with it. It's absolutely Green Bay, 13th overall, perfect landing spot. Zay Flowers, Jacob, go. Minnesota. Ooh, I think yeah. I'm actually mocked Addison to Minnesota and not Flowers, but either yeah. one of those would work next to Justin Jefferson for sure. I love the Chargers fit. I said it on the yeah. last show as well. I just I hope the Chargers get him for fantasy. Why don't, okay, now I'm going to go off track. I said we were <laughs> just doing teams, but I don't know how to feel about the Chargers drafting one of these day one or day two like the guys we really like at wide receiver i don't think they're going to take targets away from keenan allen and mike williams it's more of a dynasty play for me i think down the line it, you could see zay flowers becoming just an absolutely great fit with justin herbert with the arm talent i know i'm too impatient as a <laughs> dynasty manager but i really hate it when top end guys I have to say, like if 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 Bijan got drafted by the Chargers and we've got to wait a year for Austin Eckler to go away, no, thank you. I do not want that at all, especially not as my favorite yeah. landing spot. Let's go, Fair. Quentin Johnson. Who do you got? Uh, who do you got there, Jacob? Uh, I think like Houston or New England or something like that, like a team that we know is going to draft a wide receiver. I think I'd rather them take Quentin Johnston. Um, just where he can like get tons of reps and can be used in whatever role they, they see fit, um, really get the ball in his hands and let him create after the catch. That's where he's at his best right now. Jacob nailed it. It has to, I like the Aaron, Aaron Hart Perkins type system. So you got obviously the Patriots there and the Raiders potentially because Josh Matano is running a similar system or anything like that 49ers system. So Houston's going to be running that same kind of system uh, with our coordinator coming over from San Francisco. Anything that gets him in space, Jacob's right. His best trade is not his size speed down the field. It's actually his after the catch ability. For someone who's that big, he's really good after the catch. 
Okay, I said Minnesota for Jordan Addison. Who do you say for Jordan Addison, Jacob? Uh, I had the Chargers. And again, we don't know if this is right. realistic or not, but I think he would fit really well there as a field stretcher. Um, if they ever do decide to push the ball down the field a little bit more with Justin Herbert, that would be that would be cool. I'm going with the Patriots here. I think he's the perfect fit for that system in the slot. I don't love him as much as a field stretcher at the NFL level, which doesn't matter as much when you're playing that slot role in the, in the Patriot system. Just get open quick and the ball's going to come your way. I think he can do a lot more damage than somebody like Jacoby Myers did in that system. Speaking of field stretchers, we're going to go with the combo meal here. Jalen Hyatt slash Marvin Mims. Favorite <laughs> landing spot for those two guys because I feel like it might be the same. Yeah, I went with Philly. Uh, I mentioned it already with Mims. I think he makes so much sense. It's like a replacement for Quest Watkins. He really hasn't given him much. Um, just a speed field stretcher from the slot. I mean, the Chiefs could make sense too. Yeah, that's what I was going with. I was going with the Chiefs. I would love to see the Chiefs get that kind of speed to run deep overs in their system. Yeah. Absolutely. And then finally mentioned uh, early, early, early in the show that Peter King's suggesting the Bills have their eyes on Josh Downs. Is that the best landing spot for Downs? It's it definitely feels like it at this point, like they've like Dan said, they've like really tried to fill that role. And I think Downs is like legit. Um, I've, I've been excited about Shakir. Um, I even think I wasn't on the Isaiah McKenzie train, but I even think that um, Deontay Hardy from the Saints like could be cool. But like if they get Downs, it just feels almost locked in. That, like he's he seems like he's the truth, man. Everything I've seen about him, contested catch, route running, everything is just like excellent. Um and so if a team like the Bills that, like, I believe in their process for the most part shows that they believe in him, I feel like he's going to be locked in for fantasy, one of the best receivers from this class. It's definitely Bills for me. The one drawback I would say with Downs to be careful on is, is there were a lot of system wins in his tape that I saw. Like, that that Phil Longo system gets him open a lot. And so I th- I agree with you. He is the truth. I love him in contested catch situations. and I think he can be the best version of what the Bills have had there. Just one little knock I want to throw in. My uh, my wild um, mock draft projection was actually that they want to move Diggs into the Bills, Ooh. want to move Diggs into the slot okay. more. And so they draft, they move one spot ahead of the Giants and draft Quentin Johnston. Okay. And mm-hmm. you put Davis and Johnston on the outside, Diggs predominantly in the slot. You have two wide receivers. Obviously, Diggs stays on the field. One of those other guys comes off. But I, I do think that might be a way to extend Diggs' career a little longer. He's getting up there in age I like and that. also have a couple of big guys on the outside for Josh Allen. That's going to do it for our wide receiver prospect breakdown. I want to remind you, you can go back on YouTube. We had Emery Hunt on talking about running backs last week. Two weeks ago, we had Matt Waldman on talking about quarterbacks and tight ends, both of those very informative as you get ready for the NFL draft next week. We're going to have Dave and Jamie both on at the same time for the first time on FFT Dynasty. We will be doing our first post-NFL draft rookie-only draft, a three-round rookie-only draft live on the show. I can't wait. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.